Welcome to Let's Talk Sales, the podcast that's all things sales and business development. This podcast series is for CEOs that are looking to build strong companies, sales VPs and sales managers that want to take things to the next level, and salespeople that are looking to improve. This podcast is brought to you by Calavia, the sales playbook platform made by your team for your team. The Calavia Sales Playbook houses your company's best practices, templates, and processes, and it also functions as an online sales training academy for existing and new hires. Learn more at calavia.com. That's C-O-L-L-A-V-I-A.com. Today's podcast is part of our Advice from Authors series, where we talk to authors that are experts in business, leadership, sales, or marketing. This is Rebecca Toomey, and today I'm talking to Amy Franco. As a sales leader, Amy has built a successful and lucrative B2B sales career with global tech giants like IBM and Lenovo. She then took a 180-degree pivot into entrepreneurship, launching a training firm called Impact Instruction Group. She has successfully built and scaled a book of business that includes some of the world's most recognizable brands, and her organization primarily works with insurance organizations and professional service firms to improve sales results and build future sales leaders. Amy is also the author of The Modern Seller, Sell More and Increase Your Impact in the New Sales Economy. Amy, thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here and having this conversation. This is awesome. And for those in our audience listening in, also note that Amy did an amazing webinar for us back in October called The Modern Seller. And it was all about how to sell in the new sales economy. So if you are interested in checking out her webinar, jump on to the show notes for today. You can find that at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 109. And uh, you'll find her webinar right there in the show notes. And then everybody can ch- check it out and see what, we'll see what you got, Amy. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, so I would love to start, you know, of course I just gave you a brief intro, but since this, this is a sales show and all, I'd really love to hear your 30 second commercial. Could you share a little bit more with us about who you are and what your mission is? Yeah, sure. So, so I like to think of myself as living at this intersection of sales and leadership and learning. So all of the, all of the things that I have done in my career and also, also personally all fall into one of those three areas. So, so I'm excited that I get to wake up every day and I get to live at this intersection of sales leadership and learning. And the way that uh, the way that I live that out in, in terms of my mission, if you will, is that I work primarily in the uh, professional services and insurance space, uh, doing everything sales and leadership in the realm of uh, keynoting, um, uh, writing, we mentioned the book, and then also uh, sales training. And uh, so th- that's where, where I live and play every day. And then um, one of my personal passions is uh, girls and women in leadership. And so I am also on the board of the Girl Scouts. So, so I, get to, I get to live out my leadership uh, in that way as well. Awesome. Well, that is fantastic. And you and I have chatted a little bit about our backgrounds with insurance yeah. and all that fun stuff. So um, it's, it's so cool to 
have you on the show with that perspective of, you know, being very industry specific and knowing a lot about that industry. And, you know, this actually wasn't a question that I had planned on asking, but now that we're in it, you know, have you noticed some trends in that industry lately and how, how have things changed? Oh, well, so so interestingly enough, and maybe for our maybe for our listeners out there can relate to this. Um, I've made a lot of pivots in, in my career. Um, as you've mentioned, I'd gotten my start in, in tech at IBM and Lenovo. And then when I uh, pivoted into the learning and development field, that's where I got to got exposure and got to learn about a lot more industries. And uh, that's where I started to get exposed to industries like professional services and, and insurance. And, you know, I would say um, probably a couple of trends that are affecting both of those industries, professional services and insurance, is that we are really needing to work harder to differentiate ourselves. We kind of live in this world of sameness these days where people have so much choice. I mean, insurance for sure. We have so much choice. We're making so many decisions that, uh, that part of our role now in, in sales and in leadership is we need to find a way to be um, meaningful and a way to be memorable with our prospects and clients so that we can kind of rise above that world of sameness. So yes. so I would say that's one, that's one big one. Absolutely. And you actually mentioned a little bit of that on the webinar. So I won't mm -hmm. give it all away. Our audience has to go grab that webinar if they want to hear more about that. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'd love to talk to you more about your book. What motivated you to write The Modern Seller? Oh, so I say that the modern seller it is a 20-year dream and a 20-month project. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, I love yeah, that. so you know what I have um I have always wanted to write a book. It's always been something that has been on the bucket list, if you will. And it started to get to the point where I'm looking and I'm like, it it, it started to become like write the damn book, right? Yeah. So <laughs> so so it's always been something that I had dreamed of doing. And I never knew like what form that was going to take or what I was going to be writing about. But um, when I when I made a pivot uh, into learning and development and then further into really honing in on sales, it just felt like the timing was right about three years ago to to really start focusing on what the book could be. And so so that's was really kind of the impetus of the book or the catalyst of the book from my personal perspective long-term dream, uh, timing, uh, timing was right. But from the reader's perspective, one of the catalysts for writing the book was um, there are lots of great resources out there on things like prospecting and presenting and, and closing. And if you're in a sales role of any kind, I'm sure you have those books on your shelf mm -hmm. and those podcasts on your device. Um, but what I wanted to get into a little bit further I started to notice that there were some skills behind the skills that we needed to start building, which was kind of my learning and development hat. And so in my research and my everyday sales life in, you know, in my conversations with other sales folks, these themes started to emerge and I kind of latched on to what those themes were and there are five of them and I'm sure we'll get into that conversation, but I started to see some themes and some skills emerge that I really wanted to dive into and learn more myself and how to get better at them. And that's where it started to turn into th this is the book. 
this is this is this is the book and this is where where I want to take it. So that's just a little bit about kind of my my path and, and, and what started the whole thing. Awesome. Well, this is I'm so glad that you did this, that you took the time to finally write this book because it's amazing. I read the chapter that actually you offer a free chapter, don't you? I do. Yeah. So yeah. So if anybody wants to uh, hop out to uh, amyfranco.com, you can just go right to the homepage and uh, get a free chapter of the book. Yes. Check it out. It's awesome. So Amy, what are the common lies, myths, and misconceptions about sales today? Oh boy, that's a whole podcast in and of itself, right? So um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so so one of the things that I um one of the things that really started to become apparent to me is that our prospects and clients, they are kind of living in this chaotic swirl every single day of, you know, business dynamics constantly changing. They are dealing with um, new technologies and technology disruptors. You talk about something in the insurance industry, very specifically, Mm -hmm. technology disruptors, um, even like cultural change and the globalization of businesses. Mm -hmm. Our prospects and clients are dealing with that every single day. Mm -hmm. And it's creating this new sales economy. And it's changing how they need to work with their prospects and their clients And so what I am seeing happening is that that right there is changing their expectations of us. So if we were to kind of put this into a a common myth or a common misconception, the misconception being that we can continue to do the same things and get different results to do the same things and to continue to stay relevant for our prospects and clients, the reality is we have to change ourselves to help our prospects and clients be successful in this new sales economy. Mm -hmm. And if we don't do that, then we may not feel it right in this moment today, but we'll feel it a year from now, a couple years down the road, even when we, um, when we lose relevance with our prospects and our clients. Um, so, so that, that's probably one, one misconception that, that I see pretty regularly is that we can continue to do the same things. So uh, that's probably one of the biggest ones that I see more often than not. Definitely. I I completely agree. It's it's interesting. The changes that we have experienced in technology are one thing, and we actually talked about that together recently. It's but it's also there are separate things going on outside of technology, like you said, with, you know, the way that culture has changed and the way that people think about culture has changed. So there's a lot of different factors that are going into the way that sales is functioning today. And I I love all of your points here. And your observations are very, very wise, Amy. (laughs) We um, just just listening to you talk um, and and sharing that is we have to make a transition from being um, whether we're sales individual contributor or sales leader, we have to get out of the mindset that we are selling a product or a service. Mm-hmm. What our role is, is really to help our prospects and clients. Um, we're there to help their businesses. We are there to help them become better business people. We're there to help them serve their clients better. So we have to get out of the mindset that we're just selling a product or a service. Our job is to make their businesses better. Definitely. It's very transactional, the, the, the alternative way. 
You know, mm-hmm. it's very yep. much a, a, this is a transaction, you have made a purchase, the purchase is over, everything has ended. Now, if you have a relationship with that prospect that is now a customer, you know, then you can work it up the way to client and perhaps an advocate that, you know, an advocate is somebody who is going to advocate on your behalf, but they can't advocate on your behalf if you are not in that place, if you don't have a close relationship and you're not working hard to help them further their career and help their clients. So you're absolutely right about that, Amy. Yep. And, and getting, getting into that, um, that, that piece about the advocate Mm -hmm. is so critical because someone who's advocating for us, and this gets into the, into the social um, dimension of modern selling. It's really important that we have at least two or three advocates within every one of our most important clients, because they, it's like you mentioned, pe- people move on and they, they move into different companies or move into different industries. And we need to make sure that we continue to have those advocates in our most important clients. But when we have somebody who's advocating for us, they're willing to spend their social capital and on our behalf, and they're they're willing to uh, use their reputation, if you will, on our behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is a real game changer for us individually and in how we show up as sellers. Definitely. Now, what is your philosophy on selling in today's economy? Uh, so, so the, the modern seller, this is, this is a topic, you know, I've, I've, I debate this quite a bit with, uh, with other, uh, sales experts and, you know, what exactly is a modern seller, right? Because, um, a lot of times the initial uh, reaction is that a modern seller is someone who is very, uh, tech savvy. They're using a lot of technology and social selling tools, et cetera, to, to build relationships and, in I don't disagree that those things are important. They're 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 part. They're one part of a successful uh, strategy when it comes to um, when it comes to being successful in selling. But I um, my sales philosophy or how I define the modern seller is basically three three things to be looking at. And are we developing these in ourselves? And if you're a sales leader, are you developing these in your team? So, so the first one is that a modern seller is someone who's a recognized differentiator for their clients and also for their prospects. And the, the key word there to hone in on is recognized. Mm-hmm. Um, we need our prospects and clients really acknowledging and recognizing that we're making a difference in their business. Mm-hmm. If not, then we kind of run the risk of falling into that, that world of sameness and just looking like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the one, that's one. And that, that's a major part of my philosophy. Um, the second part of my philosophy and how I see a modern seller is that no matter what you sell, no matter what product, no matter what service, no matter who you sell to, if you are a modern seller, the value of that product or service isn't fully realized without you as part of the equation. Mm-hmm. So like if they take you out of the equation, it's just, it's just not as valuable. Yeah. So that's a different way of thinking. You're not just selling a product or service and going away kind of to your point of, mm-hmm. of the transactional piece. Mm-hmm. If we're going to last, if we're going to build long-term loyalty and value, we are part of that equation. Yeah. So that's something that's really important for leaders to recognize, isn't it? Yep. That the sales person involved in the sale, you know, is is an important piece in that. Yep. And if you're a sales leader, that gives you a different lens to look through when you're hiring. 
True. And and you're and you're building your sales team and you're and you're scaling up your sales team. Um, so that that whole sales leadership piece can play into that. Um, and then the third one, my third philosophy or my third uh, defining element of a modern seller is that your clients and even your prospects, they see you as a competitive advantage to their business. They see you as a very integral part of their team, almost like an insider, if you will, when it comes to helping them make their business better or helping them to be successful. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So, so those are, those are, that's my, my philosophy on selling and, and how I define a modern seller, the tools, technologies uh, that, that you use will, will change and it's part of it. But I, I really look at kind of getting back to kind of getting back to the foundational elements, if you will, and how much value are we putting into our clients and our prospects? Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is very relationship driven. Absolutely. Yeah, which that's the way that it should be. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> it's so funny because we always try to find quick ways to get things done. But in the end, you know, it's it's what, like you said, the foundation, it's these foundational things that really we keep coming back to time and time again. It's the relationship building and focusing on, you know, helping someone versus selling someone. Yeah. And, uh, and not, not every prospect or client um, values that. And so sometimes um, when we're looking at our, um, when we're looking at our territories or books of business, or, or maybe you're a sales leader working with your team, sometimes we have to make some choices about who our best clients and prospects are mm-hmm. so that we can be that person for them and build that book of business really around those most valued relationships. Yes. Absolutely. Now, our audience, of course, includes CEOs, sales managers, and salespeople. And I was wondering, how can they apply your book to their lives, both professionally and and personally, if that is possible? Yeah, yeah. So um, maybe it would help if I um, just talked a little bit about those um, five dimensions of the modern seller. And then I think maybe what we could do is I I can talk about how those can then apply back, whether that's that's professionally or personally. So so there's five, uh, like I was saying before, when I was doing my research for this book and Part of my research for the book included um, interviews with uh, sellers and sales leaders, you know, mining a lot of my own selling experiences, digging through current sales research. So I really tried to take a take a broad lens on the, the research piece of it. And as I was doing that research, there were these five themes that really started to emerge. And so um, so the first one is that a modern seller is agile. And when you're someone who's agile, and again, if you're a sales leader, think about your team and as I'm describing these five. Mm-hmm. So, um, so modern sellers agile, they are nimble, they are very fluid thinkers, they, they really deal well with ambiguity, they can pivot confidently, and they're really great at making uh, strong decisions, knowing that they're never going to have all the information. Um, and, and our prospects and clients are dealing with that too. So if you are agile and you want to be, if you want to build agility and you want to become really valuable to your prospects and clients out of the gate, the ability to take lots of information, to filter through it, to process through it quickly, 
and really kind of boil that down into intelligence. Intelligence being those things that are new insights, new ideas that can help your prospects and clients uh, do better in their business. That is the hallmark of someone who's agile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so, so that that's agility and uh, thinking about it. One of the one of the byproducts of agility is also the ability to be innovative. Uh, our our clients ex- are, are needing to innovate themselves. So if we can be part of that process with them, we become even more valuable to them. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, uh, so that's, yeah, so that's agility. Mm-hmm. The second one is entrepreneurial. A modern seller is entrepreneurial. So when someone is entrepreneurial, they don't just see themselves as an employee of the business. They see themselves as the founder, the CEO, the chief bootstrapper of, of their book of business. And they treat their territory, they treat their business, uh, their book of business like a business. And that is an entirely different level of ownership. You make different decisions. You're really looking at the top line and the bottom line of your business. You're looking at who your very best client sets are, your very best product sets. You are thinking like a business owner and not just like an employee. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, yep. So that's entrepreneurial. Uh, the third one is holistic. A modern seller is holistic. Um, and we, you know, in any given day, we have a really finite amount of uh, time, uh, energy, motivation, and discipline. So this is about strategic productivity. The, um, the choices that we make with our selling activities, the clients we're spending time with, the way in which we're structuring our days the choices that we make about all of those may seem kind of small in the moment, but what they add up to over time is your sales results or lack thereof. So how we manage those non-renewable resources every single day make a difference in our sales results. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so, so there's two more. So there's uh, social and there's ambassador. So a modern seller is social, and this is back to our relationship conversation very strategic and intentional about the relationships that they build. They are big believers in building social capital, which my definition of social capital is a the combined um, the combined value of the relationships that you build. Mm-hmm. So to having this in a selling context, your most significant sales goal, whether as an individual contributor or a leader, when you really know your top one or two goals, you can then be very intentional about the relationships that you build and the network ecosystems that you build around you to help you accomplish that goal. And part of that is you are also helping others accomplish their goals too, adding value into other people. Yes, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yep, yeah, and so that's social. And then the last one is ambassador. and. Being an ambassador is really all about creating loyalty and creating lifetime value. Um, ambassadors are bridges. So in a global sense, an ambassador is a bridge between you know, countries and cultures. Mm-hmm. In a sales sense, an ambassador is a bridge you know, internally within their organization uh, to their clients and prospects out into the greater community. They, they really act as bridges. And what makes them stand out is that they are able to take even like the smallest win. So you think about a new win, a new prospect that you've just turned, or a prospect that you've just turned into a new client. They deliver so well on that initial win 
that they can then use that as a springboard to um, long-term loyalty and in longer lifetime value, which we should care about as sales leaders and as um, individual contributors, because a loyal client is three times more likely to buy from us than a net new prospect. Yeah. Um, so so th those are the five in kind of a nutshell. So agile, entrepreneurial, holistic, social, and ambassador. Awesome. I love it. And we went into some detail about these five dimensions during the webinar. So listeners, gr gr jump in those show notes, criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 109. And you can grab that webinar and hear a little bit more about more detail about the dimensions and what they are and all that good stuff. Yep. And, uh, and in the book, it's uh, like I said, I really wanted this to be a field guide. So if you're looking for very specific ways to apply them both professionally and personally, every single one has different strategies for how, how you can do that, how you can build it in yourself, mm -hmm. or if you're a sales leader, how you can build those in your team. Mm -hmm. Definitely. All right, Amy, I have a fun question for you. All righty. <laughs> you yourself <laughs> are a salesperson. You, you are a seller, you've sold. I'd love to hear what one of the toughest lessons that you've learned so far in your career is from a sales perspective. Oh, there's so many, there are so <laughs> many, where, where, where to start? Um, so I will give you one from, um, I'll give you one from when I was at uh, IBM. Okay. And then um, for those folks that are more in the entrepreneurial realm, I can also share one from uh, from my entre from my days or from my current days as an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. um, but when I when I was at IBM and I was I was newer in my sales career, and um, one of the things that I have learned is needing to get beyond the the initial relationships that, that you build. And what I mean by that is I was in IT, I was selling technology products. And so my natural world was to, to spend time with the people in my clients that that's what they did all day. IT directors, IT folks, et cetera. Mm -hmm. so, so here's the lesson that I learned. I was working on this really huge deal. It was like a multi-million dollar deal. It was, um, I sold into public sector. Uh, at least for part of my career. So it was a multi-million dollar deal with a very large school district. And the IT folks, IT director, et cetera, really, really loved our products. They loved our messaging. They really understood what they could do with our products to be successful with them. So in my kind of uh, sort of narrow thinking, I completely thought that this was an absolutely done deal. And so we were working through the process, we're working on contracts, we're working on pricing, all of those things. So I was very surprised when the prospect started to go like completely silent and stopped communicating. And for anybody who's had that happen, you know that that's usually not a good sign. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so, so what, what had ultimately happened was what I thought was a done deal needed to go to a board of directors for approval. And I didn't have any relationships with the board of directors. And I didn't know what was important to the board of directors. So when it went in front of them, 
what was important to them was not aligned with what we were proposing. And they went with one of my competitors mm-hmm. and the board approved that decision. And I didn't, I was completely blindsided by that. Mm-hmm. So it was a very tough lesson to learn, especially when we thought that we had had that thing completely won. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple of lessons what for me was to make sure that I was building relationships outside of my normal everyday relationships Mm -hmm. and really making sure I was asking all the right questions. Is there and having and really understanding, are there other decision makers and influencers in this process that maybe I'm not aware of? So, so for anybody out there listening, um, if you're working on a deal right now, um, I please, I hope you take this to heart so that you, you win the deal because (laughs) Because I lost and I, and I had, and I had to learn that the hard way. Mm-hmm. And, and I still totally remember that to this day and, and take those lessons with me. Yeah. Well, uh, that's it's painful. A good, it's a good <laughs> lesson to learn though. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so that, that was one that's more in that kind of traditional B2B okay. selling role. Okay. Um, for anybody who's out there that is in more of an entrepreneurial selling role, probably one of the hardest lessons that I've learned was um, I had a lot of my identity wrapped up in the logo on my business card. So when I went from working from comp- for companies like IBM and uh, for Lenovo, which at the time was still building its, its brand in the US, but it was, um, it was definitely a lesson learned in um, having to uh, kind of get past the identity or the ego check of having a big name logo on your business card Mm -hmm. and realizing that I had to build all new relationships in my, in my new field. So it's kind of, it's kind of a low moment to have that realization like, Oh, I, I, people don't know me and I, and I'm really kind of starting from scratch. So, so for anybody that is in an entrepreneurial space, or maybe you're working for a startup um, or you're spinning up a new division that's kind of complete white space for you. Just just knowing that it, it can be tough to be building something from scratch. And it, it takes a lot of grit to, to kind of just stay the course and keep putting one foot in front of the other. Yes, definitely. Stay the course. <laughs> yes, have that, grit. <laughs> that is what sales is, though. It's all it's all about persistence. It's all about mm-hmm. sticking to it. You know, sticking, creating your process, sticking to your process, and working it through. And, and you have done that to get past failure. Yep. Yep. Get past failure time and time again. Oh, I right? fail all the time. <laughs> fail forward. Fail forward. If you're not failing, you're not trying. <laughs> But I forget, I forget, I'm, I'm going to forget who said it, but, um, it was the idea that, um, I never, I never win or lose. I only, I see it as learning. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I'm totally not remembering who said it. It was someone significant, but I just remember hearing that being like, oh, that is really cool. Absolutely. I don't win or lose. I always learn. So I, Amy, I don't know if we have talked about this before, but I, I used to race motorcycles when I lived back in Florida. I still mm-hmm. ride, but I don't race anymore. And I don't know if we've had this conversation. <laughs> cool. we'll, ha- we'll have to, we'll have to take it offline for a little more detail, but yes, I used to race. And something that was really funny is, you know, when I would talk to people that weren't in the sport bike community, you know, they would always say like, if I would have accidents, which we, we just called it a get off. Like you got off. You, it was just a get off <laughs> when you crash. It wasn't as extreme as I crashed. And sometimes you would break bones or whatever. And 
you know, people that weren't in the community would be like, oh my gosh, you broke this or you broke that. You're going to go back. You're going to do it again. And, and I would always say, if you're not crashing, you're not trying. <laughs> because like it's it. one of those things that <laughs> if you want to be good at what you're doing, no matter what you're doing, whether it's sales or riding motorcycles, and you're not pushing that limit, of course, you have to find where the limit is, <laughs> and then scale it back a little bit. Um, but with motorcycle racing, that's how it is, you know, you find that limit, and then you pull it back about five to 10%, you know, so that you don't crash, but you do want to be, you know, at the edge, and you're, you know, you're always trying to take it a step further. And s- that means that sometimes you fail, sometimes you fall down. And it's just part of it. Just like any other sport, you know, whether it's football or baseball, tennis, everything that you do, you're going to, you know, you're going to push your body physically or mentally. You're going to challenge yourself. There are going to be times where you fail, where you don't win and you lose. And, you know, if you're, if you quit, that's just, that's what, that's what the result is going to be for you. So. And that, that's the, um, I love that story. And it's the, it's that transition from, you know, reading a book or spending time with your mentor or going to a training class, whatever that might be. It's the difference between like absorbing the knowledge and doing something with it. Yep. We have to, we have to do something with what we're learning so that we get our own experience. Um, and if we're waiting to be kind of struck by lightning to be motivated to, <laughs> to get out of our comfort zones, I mean, it's just never going to happen. No nope. part of building confidence is is just the doing and being like, okay, you know what? Some of some of this is going to go well. Some of this I'm going to mess up, and I um, I really just have to be okay with that. Um, for anybody that would love to learn more about that, there's some great research. Um, uh, Carol Dweck is one of the researchers, but I know that there are some others out there um, that do research on the growth mindset mm-hmm. and how we can build our build our capacity just around our mindset for growth and how we can push ourselves. And um, people that have a growth mindset really see themselves as being able to expand their talents and their skills. It's not just the skills that they have today. They see themselves as being able to expand. And, and your story about the motorcycles really kind of drives that home because you have to be willing to, to kind of get beyond what's comfortable. Yeah, definitely. There, you're, yeah, you're never comfortable when you're racing a bike. It's all about being on No, and I've never <laughs> raced a bike, and I can't imagine racing a bike, so that's really cool. I'm going to live vicariously through you on that one. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's all good. <laughs> but most people say the same. They're like, wow, you're crazy. All right. <laughs> and, it, you know, it does. It takes a certain type of personality. I, I think that some people are really adrenaline-driven, others – Maybe not so much. Maybe don't want to live on the edge quite that much, but that's okay. It's okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> now, aside from the modern seller, do you have any yeah. great books that you'd recommend? Yeah, I have a couple that um, that are on my shelf that I've I was just thinking through that question. So, um, one is a new book um, from from uh, Dan Pink. It's called When. Okay. And it is it is all about the. Uh, the, the scientific secrets of perfect timing. Nice. So he does, does a lot of research on timing and, and, and what does that mean professionally and personally? And uh, I really love his book. So I'd, I'd highly recommend that one. And he has a number of great books. Um, another one that I love is um, called The Power of Habit from Charles Duhigg, mm. um, especially if agility is something that's of interest to you. 
there it's it's a great read um, and an easy read on how we formulate habits and how we can replace habits that don't work for us with habits that do work for us mm-hmm. um, so so that that's a favorite read and then um, one of my one of the very first sales books I ever bought uh, Jill Conrath's selling to big companies um, that book is probably about 10 or 12 years old but it is still so relevant um, it is very specific to how can you create strong value propositions? How can you create voicemails and email messages that actually get returned and position you well? So if you're looking for some of those types of, of tactical uh, strategies, those tactics, great read. Awesome. And love Jill Conrad. I do too. She's, <laughs> she's one of my heroes. She's awesome. <laughs> Very awesome. Well, those are great recommendations. And I love that you recommended The Power of Habit. That is a great one. I love that book. Yep. Awesome. All right. Now, I know how wise you are. And I'm sure our audience (laughs) knows already. But do you have a piece of wisdom that you'd like to pass along? Yeah. So one of the questions that I get asked quite a bit is, you know, how do you define leadership? And, you know, I'll get, get into these conversations with other folks who are in the space. But, you know, because I spend a lot of time in leadership, that that's a question that I get asked often. And so I, I hope that this is relevant for uh, for the folks that are listening here. But but I define leadership as, as really three things. Um, first, uh, leaders are, leadership is blind. And what I mean by that is... Um, Leadership does not know how old you are. It does not know your gender. It does not know your background, your socioeconomic status. It does not know your title. It does not care. Yep. <laughs> Those are labels that we as humans put on ourselves or on other people as leaders. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I would encourage people to think about is don't worry about the titles, about how much experience you have or don't have, about your age, about your gender. Just remember that you have an opportunity and um, really responsibility to stand up into leadership. So to not let the, that hold you back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, leadership is also, uh, I heard this from Simon Sinek and I absolutely love it. Leadership is the willingness to go first. Yeah. It is the willingness to sure. be the first person to uh, look around the corner the person that is willing to step up when everybody else is stepping back and, um, and, and are, are you being that person? Yeah. Um, and then lastly, leadership is a choice. Um, we get to choose every single day and sometimes like moment to moment how we want to show up in the world and are we showing up in the world in the way that we intend and are we showing up as leaders? Mm-hmm. Um, so so that, that's what I'll leave our, our listeners with. Um, as much as this conversation is about sales, it's also about leadership and how are we showing up in the world? Definitely. Okay. Well, I've got one last salesy thing then. Fantastic. <laughs> now, of course. Close it out. Yeah. Got really rounded out. And at CFS, we talk a lot about sales playbooks because we're always looking for useful tips that managers and CEOs and salespeople can share in their sales playbooks. And especially because we have a lot of Calavia listeners listening in, trying to figure out how to continue to always develop their playbook. So I was wondering if you might have one actionable tip that our listeners might consider adding to their playbook. So, so this actionable tip is around, um, around gaining commitments or closing. 
You know, we um, we oftentimes make a really huge deal about closing business. Mm-hmm. We we turn it we turn it into something much bigger than it needs to be, and it becomes really awkward. <laughs> so, so my 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 tip is when you are working with a prospect or a client or on an opportunity, take a look at the different commitments. I like to think about them as commitments versus closes. Take a look at the different commitments that you need to earn along the way in order to be able to earn the business with your client. Hmm. So so that is that is something that if you're looking at those commitments kind of in a holistic way from beginning to end and you work on doing the work of securing those commitments and earning them, by the time you get to the end of their buying process or your sales process, you've hopefully earned enough of a right to be able to ask for the business. That's a great idea and a great tip that users can throw into perhaps the prospecting part of their playbook, you know, outlining those commitments over the course of the relationship. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Amy, for being here today. This has been awesome. Oh, thank you for having me. Great conversation. Definitely. And now listeners, please check out the show notes criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod one zero nine. You'll be able to grab the link to Amy's website and you can grab that chapter of her book. You could also check out the webinar, but of course I, I recommend getting the book. Just get the whole book. <laughs> that's, that, that's probably the best bet I'd say here. And I'd like to yes, thank everyone so much for listening to the show today. Be sure to tune in next week. We're going to be continuing the conversation about mentoring and coaching and advising with a CFS roundtable episode. All month, we're writing about coaching, mentorship, and advising on the CFS blog. So check that out at criteriaforsuccess.com slash blog. And if you have sales questions that you would like answered by our experts, please submit your questions on social media using the hashtag ask A-S-K-C-F-S. or email us your questions at podcast at criteria for success.com. You can even send a voice memo if you want your voice to be heard over the air. Send us a short voice memo from your phone. Shoot it right to that email address, podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. Our next Q&A episode is going to be on the 31st of this month. So get your co- questions, your comments, your all your good stuff to us, and we will feature it on our Q&A episode. And if you're loving the show, we invite you to please subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this show. And I would just like to thank you, everyone. This has been an amazing year so far for the Let's Talk Sales podcast. We started it last year, right at the end of 2017, going into 2018. I can't believe here we are going into 2019. This has been amazing. Thank you so much to our audience for listening and for your incredible feedback. We appreciate you guys so much. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by myself here, Rebecca Toomey, Ariana Miskell, and Elizabeth Frederick. Happy selling, everyone.